Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. Listen today as we show you how to love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. I was made to love you. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to Behind the Mask. I'm your host, Cassandra Perkins. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. I really appreciate you tuning in. This is Behind the Mask, and on my show, we cover topics that hopes to inspire you to live a purpose-driven life, whatever that may be. We talk about everything on my show. We talk everything from inspirational topics about how to change your life and set goals all the way to discussing things that people don't normally talk about, like suicide, like drugs, like uh, the things that are kind of the elephant in the room in society today where we just, we know it's there, but we don't ever really talk about it or discuss it. And that's what this show is about is, is bringing out those topics and bringing awareness to it because I think once we get rid of the stigma of not talking about it, that's when things can start to change and, and people can start to use their voice and reach out. And I think that's what we have to do in society today. And I love that I have this platform to be able to have these incredible guests on to share their story and their passion and be able to talk about whatever their message is and share that with you guys. So in hopes that maybe you'll share your voice or you'll something they'll say will resonate with you. That's truly the hopes with the show behind the mask. So thank you so much for tuning in and listening today. And I am just so happy to have my guest today. I actually heard from her um, in an event in Parker, the Grow Community Center event that we had, uh, Grow Community Center and Cafe, we had that amazing event. I had Amber on my show um, about about maybe a month ago, maybe three weeks ago, and I had her on my show, and she was discussing um, really what the event would look like and what it would be all about, and it's about bringing a community together, talking about topics, being there to support one another, kind of what we were talking about, and she kept throwing this name out to me, and she said, there's this amazing woman who's going to be discussing is suicide selfish and that just it hit me so hard and I was like wow that is a powerful powerful topic and she just nonstop was this is Ryan Hall she's gonna be there I can't wait for you to hear her story it's so amazing and then I get to this event and I just see Ryan talk and she is so beautiful and elegant and the way that she talks you can just tell she has a passion and her story has, has a purpose in this world I truly believe and when she spoke I was just I was so drawn and I was so attached and I was like I have to meet this woman I have to have her on my show to share this message because it really impacted me as a person and everything she was saying was what I say it was that this needs to be talked about this is what needs to be talked about in society and after meeting her and talking to her and then being able to uh, research and you know, I research all my guests being able to research her and see everything that she's doing and everything she's doing in society today is just so incredible. So let me read a little bit about Ryan Hall before I introduce her. 
She is a licensed professional counselor and a Ph.D. candidate in religious and psychological studies from the University of Denver and Iliff School of Theology, excuse me, joint doctoral program. Having got her start as a therapist at a residential juvenile juvenile uh, correlation, excuse me, program in Tampa, Florida, Ryan has worked with all kinds of clients in diverse presenting issues, like like we were kind of talking about, and this is kind of the, some of the things that she talks about. She has been an alcohol, tobacco, and drug educator at Littleton Adventist Hospital for seven years, and she has evaluated more than 10,000 patients. That's incredible, and she has taught workshops on motivational interviewing uh, and substance use, and being the amazing woman that she is, she is here doing the research Research and, and she's here being for these people and helping them refer them to more people and, and where they can get help. And she's starting right at the at the very beginning. And that's a hard line of work to be in. And it's a very, I can't even imagine how difficult that must be to see the issues up close and personal in today's society. But being able to look at these and then be able to use Ryan's voice to speak out and say, this is what we need to do about this. That's what really impacted me. So I am so blessed and happy to welcome to my show, Ryan Hall. Thank Thank you so much for being here today. I, I can't tell you how much of an honor it is to be here, Cassandra. Thank you. It's so <laughs> great. And I'm just so happy to be able to uh, have you on this platform to share your story. Because like I said, when you spoke, everything that you were saying was just, it was speaking directly to me. And and it's the, it's the way that I think, the way that, the, in the way that uh, my mind thinks as well. So when I heard what you said, I was, I just had to have you on this program. I mean, <laughs> even just knowing you personally, I I can just tell that you're such a beautiful, kind soul and um, in your line of work, I bet you do incredible things. So thank you for for being here today. Well, I, I, I can I'll just start by saying that that I consider myself extremely lucky to to get to do the work that I do. Yeah. Um, and and to, to be able to step uh, to step into people's lives and and. It's such a privileged position to to I think of it as as stepping into this this little window into into a life and and hear a person's story. And I I mean, it's just an incredible honor to have that privileged position. Right. Uh And here you are being able to. And that's what I love so much about my show. And what I do is because I get to hear stories and I get to I get to know people and I get to share their story. And for you to be able to do the same thing in your line of work and get to know people and know people's stories in their life yeah. it just what a, I can't even imagine the reward you must feel every day being able to do that you know it's it's I think you've you've said the word story a few times just yeah. now and, and and I think it it does boil down to the power of a story yeah and um it, to me life life is is all about these stories and 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 of course when we when we um when we exchange when we live something amazing or memorable we immediately want to go tell that story to to our loved ones and um so in my in my doctoral dissertation research i i've chosen to do something called qualitative research which allows me to do um more in-depth sitting with individuals and listening to their stories it's about eliciting stories and and um and part of what I'm I'm doing is actually called narrative research, wow. um, because it's uh, yeah I just get so energized by a story. Right. I remember growing up, I was I was uh, I was raised in, in a Southern Baptist church in in, in Florida, and um, 
you know, admittedly, I would sometimes kind of tune out, <laughs> except, <laughs> except when, the, when the pastor would start telling a story, right. you know, when, when he would, even if it was something about, oh, you know, yesterday at the grocery store, but it was like this, this meaty, um, this very real thing that I could sink my teeth into. Right. Uh, and related to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Relate to real experiences. Right. I, for my bachelor's degree, I studied philosophy, and um, and then uh, eventually, much later, got my my master's in counseling, and now I'm I'm doing this incredible PhD program, and and I've realized in the time that's passed, um, you know, the 15 years or, or more that that have passed since since I studied philosophy, I'm. I'm not nearly as into the theoretical as I used to be. I'm now, I want things that are practical and, and stories kind of bridge that in some ways. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, stories are just like this, this concrete thing um, that, that breathe life into the recounting of our lives. Right, and I believe that everybody has a story and that's something I've said from the beginning hey. is everyone has a story, mm-hmm. everyone has a passion and everyone sure. has uh, something they want to share and tell people whether that's yeah. their life or whatever it is. Everyone has a story. Yeah, so or we, multiple. Right, or multiple. Yeah. And, and of course, even um, even the subject of any given story will, will I mean, the, the retelling of it changes. I mean, storytelling is this dynamic process where, yeah. you know, if, if you were to have me at the same time tomorrow on the show, I would undoubtedly say different things right. because that's just how we are as humans. You know, it's all always um, it's always changing and dynamic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So would you mind sharing your story? I mean, here you are in this in this line of work, which is, uh, you know, also a reward for you. <laughs> but would you mind sharing how you got involved in this? Because this is something so unique and different and uh, something you live your life daily with. But maybe to somebody else on the outside, this is this is cool. This is awesome. <laughs> so would you mind sharing uh, to, for with my listeners how you got involved in a line of work yeah, like this? Not at all. Uh, I gotta say it's a it's a little it's a little um, odd to be. I, I mean, as a as a psychotherapist, um, we we're trained to kind of try to keep our mouths shut and, right. and listen. Um, I once heard that you don't learn anything with your mouth open, meaning you know if you're the one talking, you're not learning as right. much, um, and you're not taking in somebody else's words. And so, um, so it's it's a it's a unique and and enjoyable and a little frightening uh, to to talk about myself (laughs) like whoa you're giving me permission okay well uh um, let's see where do I want to start I guess my story um okay well so um I, I finished my bachelor's degree in philosophy, like I said, I was at this little women's college in, in Lynchburg, Virginia, uh, Randolph-Macon Women's College, uh, which is now called Randolph College because it's co-ed. And I went off uh, to, to Prague in the Czech Republic, and I, wow. I, I lived there uh, teaching at the University of Economics for um, almost four years and and uh, could have lived out my days in, in Prague. Loved it. Loved it. Magical city. <laughs> um, and uh, But I... I I've just had this dream since I was little to go as far as I could in school. I, I just, at some point I realized I really enjoy um, education and I, I enjoy sitting in a classroom and taking in these ideas and just this exchange of ideas. Oh, it's, I, I love it. I live for it. And, and so, um, so I, I thought, well, 
I've, I've, I want to pursue this, this PhD, um, but I don't really know what in. I just, I, I just want to go as far as I can in, in some field. And right. so I, I get back from, from Prague. I'm, I'm in my mid-20s, and, um, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm ready to start a master's degree, but I don't know what in. Right. Well, my, um, my family has a little house in North Georgia, a little town called Clayton, on top of a mountain. And uh, my, my grandparents built the house. And, and so um, the house is right next door. This is one of those just amazing, it's just so cool how things, how things transpire and paths cross. The, living next door uh, to, to this little house is this amazing couple, uh, husband and wife, um, theologian professors and they're writers and and they've done just incredible work um, in in churches and they've taught at Emory and um, so so the 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 man of the couple Tom Ettinger uh, he and I uh, would sit down sometimes and he was this very reclusive man and he somehow he took he he took a shine to me and wow. uh, even when I was a little kid like he he would call me over to when he was ready because he was like I said pretty private mm. um, but he would he would call me over and say you know I'm ready to talk with you and I'm like what am I gonna say you know you're this amazing guy wow. but um, we would sit and talk and and so that's what happened when I when I got back from the Czech Republic um, we I went up to Georgia and it was this beautiful day and 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 Tom's wife Helen came over and said Tom's ready for you and it was one of those things where when if he was ready it was you you just dropped everything and went over there and and so I went over there and we had this talk long into the evening and he said what now what now Ryan what are you going to do and I said well I want to do another degree but I'm not sure in what and he said well tell me your story you right. know? so it's kind of similar so you to this, almost where... in a sense had that that coach to be there for you yes. and to help you through that yes. and I really think that's almost what you're doing in a sense is being able to sit down with somebody and say what is your story what is your passion what does your life mm -hmm. consist of yeah so from there you you went on to do amazing things and I want to we do have to take a break but when oh, we get okay. back mm -hmm. I want to discuss that a little bit more in detail right. and really find out what you're doing now so okay. I'd stay love to. tuned we'll be right back with Ryan Hall. Hi, this is Lynn Reamer, and I'm president of Act On Drugs. Did you know that drugs today are more potent than they've ever been before? From alcohol to marijuana to designer drugs and even methamphetamine. Drugs are also more available today, especially alcohol, pot, designer drugs, but specifically your prescription drugs, which kids get from the medicine cabinet. Studies show that if parents would talk to their kids, they're also a lot less likely to use them. So please talk to your kids today. For more information and resources, visit my website at actondrugs.org. 
Hi, I'm Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. And I'm Harry Singer from London. How do we change our worst days into our best days, Harry? I have a model, but with the short space, here's what I would say. First step is to connect with why have you labeled it as worst day? Can you remember it's your worst day or worst days? You gave it that label. Find out the meanings that you've associated to that worst day. Then the next thing is this, is to get to a place where realizing that we tend to link all the terrible things in our life to that worst day and all of our challenges because of that worst day. But when you can take the gift and when you can get to a point where you realize that there is greatness in your life and that greatness would not be there had your past experiences not happened. That's the whole you. And when you've got that, then you can be at a stage where you can turn around and say, you know what, I can forgive myself and everything that happened didn't happen in vain because now I can get to choose how I want to move forward. So if you want to turn your worst days into your best days, realize that, you know what, there is greatness in there. There's a gift in there. You can choose. And when you can take that and give it to others and help others, then you'll be grateful for it. If you want to connect with me further, come and check in on harrysinger.com or harrysingerfoundation.com. Hi, this is Cassandra Perkins. This is Deputy John Arnold with the Douglas County Sheriff's Office. Did you know that over 1,006,000 car accidents are caused from texting and driving each year? Also, you have a 23% greater chance of being involved in a motor vehicle accident while texting and driving. If you get a text, it can wait. Pull over to a safe location. Nothing is that important. Don't, Don't drive, drive while intoxicated. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm here with Ryan Hall. Welcome back, Ryan. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Absolutely. We've been talking to her a little bit about her uh, her life, really her story, as we've <laughs> been saying. And really, she is so amazing. She has been working um, amazing, amazing things. She has been... Um, doing all sorts of incredible things. She's worked with clients about uh, really everything of the spectrum with tobacco, <laughs> drug educator, all of these different things. And you've kind of, but you had to start somewhere. And that's what we were kind of talking about, about before the break was that you had to start somewhere. And really this question was brought up to you, which is what are you going to do with your life? What's next? Yeah. What's your story? What is your goals and passions? And I love that that was brought up to you and that that was kind of brought, uh, identified to you mm. because here you are today and maybe, uh, I love that when I asked your story, that's something that popped up in your head because that's what made you who you are today. And these little, you know, you were saying during the break that these little pieces of the puzzle that kind of mm -hmm. form us to where we are today. Yeah. And, and we, never, we never know what's going to be that, that piece that locks into place and, and forms the, the last kind of brick in the, in the path. Right. Um, heading us to a certain destination. Right. 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 So here you are, you got asked this question and here you are going and doing amazing things. Yeah, thank um, you. When you jumped into this and you really got into this line of work, mm -hmm. what wh what was that like for you to have this goal and this passion and then have it, uh, you know, identified to you by this guy, this man, and then go along this path of finding this, this passion? You know, um, I... It, for my for my undergrad, I never even took a psychology class. I had no idea that was going to be wow. part of part of my life. But yeah, here I am in um, on this on this this porch on this mountain in Georgia, surrounded by um, you know flora and fauna, and it's nighttime and the stars are incredible. And and I'm sitting with this this remarkable human being, and 
at the end, I mean, he let me talk for this long time. And at the end of it, Tom said, you know, have you ever considered counseling psychology? And it was like, at the moment he said it, it was it was simultaneously the most absurd and the exactly right, most perfect thing. Um, and I just said, that's it. That's it. It just, I knew, mom- I, I knew immediately that wow. that was what I, what I, what I needed to do. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, like in, within days I enrolled at, um, my, my, my hometown Tampa, um, has, uh, several amazing therapy programs. Uh, I chose one at the University of South Florida and uh, got in, got a scholarship, and it was like everything just... Fell into place. Fell into place perfectly. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and there was... Um, it never seemed like the wrong choice. I, like there was just this this opening. My heart was going in harmony. My heart and soul, I guess, yeah. were going in harmony with all of this. And, and so... I was just like eating up everything that right. I was learning. And then when the moment finally came that I sat across from a, a client and was actually doing counseling, it was it was just it was amazing. It was like this is this is exactly what where you're I'm supposed, supposed to, to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. And how the places everything kind of fell into yeah. place. And it's incredible that once you discover your passion and you and you find that passion that the doors do open. Yeah. And of course we all go through bumps in the road and stuff. Sure. But I think when you steer towards your passion you find the right people and you find mm. the the right direction that you're supposed to be going in and that's what i recommend to anybody who's mm. looking for w- anything in their life to to accomplish a goal to find a job to gather friends to go towards your passion and right. i love that you did that and i know that uh, that some people some people would, might say well gosh how do i even know where my passion lies and and i i tell them well listen to your listen to your body listen to your gut or your heart whatever you know whatever part that you you kind of associate that intuition right. with but it's there it's there and and you're going to you're going to feel a natural attraction to certain things and a natural i don't want to say repulsion uh, maybe less less strong not a right. revulsion but just not as strong of an attraction to other things and so go where the the thing that's attracting you go toward where it's taking you right because we're in a society today where people hate their jobs and they hate their life and it's so sad and it makes me so sad as a as a youth in this in this world to see that people just hate their lives and they they hate their jobs i just want people to do what they love and and go out and educate and 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 live their life it's just so incredible like what you're doing so as you described to me you have really three tiers of kind of what you're doing (laughs) my three hats yeah (laughs) would you mind describing to my listeners kind of what you educate on what you do absolutely so i'll i'll just say my my the three realms of of my life uh, right now are um work work and school um <laughs> my main job being at littleton adventist hospital uh, as you said doing um this this program called espert uh, screening brief intervention and referral to treatment so um tobacco alcohol and drug education and uh on-the-spot counseling and hooking people up with resources, whatever those resources might be. So listening to people's stories about uh, their relationship with alcohol, tobacco, and or drugs. Um, and so that's that's one thing. And then um, I also work as a, as a 
private private practitioner as a as a counselor um, doing mental health and, and addictions work. And then I've got this this incredible doctoral program at ILIF and DU, the joint PhD program, where I've 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 pursued I mean, lots of things. I, was, I thought, thought and, and talked about lots and lots of things, <laughs> but my main area of, of, of um, research has been the intersection of religion slash spirituality and suicide or suicidality, the, the inclination toward um, or the feelings of, of, of feeling suicidal. And, and so what my dissertation is on is that relationship. It's, it's um, story, people's stories, um, people who have attempted suicide, um, talking about religion and spirituality before, during, and after their suicide attempts. So yeah, three kind of different hats that of course, you know, um, they, those things inter, uh, they overlap and, and interweave in very unexpected ways sometimes. Yeah. Like now. <laughs> right, right. In, in today's society, it's, it's, it's scary that there's all these issues. And, it's, and again, here's the kind of the stigma in, in the elephant in the room is that these yeah. things are happening. They're, they're right here. Right. But we don't talk about them. Right. We don't discuss them. And that, that makes me so sad is that people are just kind of afraid to talk right. about these things and, and, and point them out. Because, uh, you know, when I started talking about bullying a while back, nobody wanted to talk about it nobody wanted now everyone's talking about right. it which is which yeah. is amazing yeah. but when I started talking about it people were so afraid to bring it up because it, it's kind of the stigma if you don't if we don't see it we don't hear it then it doesn't exist right. and that's not mm-hmm. how life is or society no. is and I bet in your line of work you've kind of had to deal with it kind of face on huh right. I I'm completely of that of that same mindset that right. that that because we're not talking about it, it's getting worse and worse. Yeah. Um, and it needs to be discussed and not uh, kept kept this hush hush thing. Um, I, you know, it's this is not meant to be shoved in a corner or or swept under a rug. Right. Because that just makes the problem worse. Um, it's making it so that that people who feel suicidal and I'm going to say that. Pretty much everybody at some point or another. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think of suicide as or suicidality as being on a spectrum. Where on one end of the spectrum you have just maybe the tiniest little thought of you know what would it be like if, if I, was I took my own life. Right. Yeah. Um, and then at the other end, the extreme end, it's it's where you actually carry out, you carry, you act on right. those feelings and attempt and maybe even uh, die by suicide. So at any given point uh, in our lives or any, maybe sometimes even any hour, we might be at different spots on the spectrum. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm trying to normalize that and say, you know, it's, it's very normal and common for people to, to think this stuff. Right. It's, it's not that everyone is, you know, at the extreme end at right. all times, but it's just that, you know, it's it's kind of part of the human condition. Right, and that's what I say too, is that it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel depressed. That That's a normal thing that we feel. It's okay to have thoughts. Right. But it's when those start to consume you and, and become your actions and become your life, that's when you need help. That's when you need to have a voice. Right. Now you have so much amazing knowledge and I'm, I just, I want people to be able to get in contact with you. So where can we get a hold of you? 
Probably the best way is just through my, my work email address, uh, since I'm at work a lot, and I'll catch <laughs> it, um, which is uh, my, my Littleton Adventist is part of the Centura Health System, so it's just Ryan Hall, R-Y-A-N-H-A-L-L, at Centura, C-E-N-T-U-R-A dot org. Awesome. I don't, I don't have a, a, I just use the hospital's That's okay. website. <laughs> yeah. They can get a hold of you that way, so you can go check her out there. Please email her if you need anybody or you want to reach out to her and just tell her what an amazing human being she is (laughs) reach out to her and also if you want to find out more about ryan as well as myself and my other guests please go to my website you can go to cassandraperkinsradio.com we'll be right back We speak your name, we lift our eyes, tune our hearts into your beat. Where we walk, there you'll be, with fire in our eyes, a life's delight, your love untamed, it's blazing out, the streets will glow, forever bright, your glory's breaking through the Cassandra Perkins, and I'm here with Phil R. Taylor, who is the host of the 17 Biblical Principles of Success. My friend, what does the program consist of? Well, Cassandra, we're so delighted to be able to bring this program. Have you ever met somebody who doesn't want to be successful? (laughs) We we all want to be successful, right? Whether it be in our marriage or professions or jobs at school, whatever it is. Well, God's given us a blueprint, a specific formula for us to live a life that is full, meaningful, significant, and successful. And so this program really breaks down 17 biblical principles that God has imparted to us through His Word in order for us to live that life that is successful. And the Bible does talk about success. And so we've invited 51 contributors onto our program from various professions who share their personal stories and experiences in light of what the Bible and how the Bible has impacted them. And of course, filled in this program are anecdotes, insights from Scripture that will inspire and uplift you to live that life of success as God has designed you. It's truly an amazing program, and I want people to be able to get a hold of this. So what is the information? Where can we find more and purchase the 17 Biblical Principles of Success? It's really easy. All one has to do is go to 17 Biblical Principles of Success.org, and that's spelled out number one seven biblical principles of success.org hi i'm cassandra perkins from behind the mask and i'm brian jackson inspirational speaker and hiv survivor when i was 11 months old my father intentionally injected me with hiv by the age of six i was sent home from the hospital to die not supposed to see the age of seven here i am today with full forgiveness and heart and full hope in life brian why is hope vital for our life You see, in life, we're going to go through different challenges and different storms. 
And we're just not going to be sure which way is out and which way is up and which way is down. And therefore, we have to be guided by hope. In life, we come into this world being kids and taking baby steps, the one step at a time. Before you know it, we have to take leaps of faith. And that is hope. And hope is vital. To find out more information about my story and how I can come speak at your next event, visit BrianJackson.com. That's B-R-R-Y-A-N-Jackson, J-A-C-K-S-O-N.com. Hi, this is Cassandra Perkins, host of Behind the Mask. And I'm Gary Barnes, the Breakthrough Business Mastery Coach. Gary, you are so incredible. And I think in society, we have been taught that adversity is a bad thing. And you have been through a lot of adversity in your life. You've had to go through that in your own life. How do you relate to adversity? You know, the first thing, Cassandra, is that it's normal. And we don't have a good explanation about why it happens. And we want to know the why. And normally, we are not going to know why. But the decision point is, as it happens, Now, what do we do with it? And it revolves around vision. My definition of vision is going into your future to where you can see it, taste it, and feel it. And it's so real that you bring it back. And now you've created a personal deja vu to where now you're being pulled towards that vision. It's not so much about what is happening to you presently, but where you're going. And so it doesn't take away, it doesn't make that hurt, that adversity that you're going through feel any better. But it helps us to take that next step. And it's really about following the step after step after step. Those tiny little steps that you got to take. I love it. And I love your, your outlook on things, Gary. It's so amazing. And to learn more about him, learn more about his programs, go visit his website, Gary Barnes international.com We are back with Ryan Hall, who is a licensed professional counselor and a PhD candidate. She's doing so many amazing things. She's out in society, really making a difference, in, in my opinion. And I see it, and I'm just, I'm so starstruck by you. And I just, I, seriously, <laughs> I, I just think what you're doing is so incredible. Mm-hmm. When I met you, it just felt this gravitation where I had to get in contact with you. Not even if it wasn't even just to have you on the show, to have you in my life, because I just, I think people like you, your, your heart light shines so bright. So thank you so much for sharing your heart light with myself and my listeners today. It's a true honor. Absolutely. We've been talking to you a little bit about your story and really what you're doing in your line of work. And before the break, we were talking a little bit uh, more in depth about suicide and suicide research is something that you do a lot and you you talk about a lot too. Um, And really, I think one of the main things when you were speaking at this uh, event in Parker, a few weeks back, one of the main things that struck me was your talk. And your talk was really, the question, is suicide selfish? Mm-hmm. And that is like one of those questions where people hear it and they go, ooh! Yeah. <laughs> oh, and mm-hmm. they try to steer away from it. And they're like, that's a that's a hard question. And it, it right. is. It's a very difficult question. But the way you talked about it and the way you discussed it is what I've been saying for years. And the fact that this is what you do. You talk to people who are suicidal. You do research on people who are suicidal, who have had suicidal thoughts and sadly who have attempted or um, gone through with it and then even people who have passed on from it which is so sad and uh, you know it's so high in Colorado today the amount of people who take their life and it's uh, it's a passion of mine to bring awareness to it and to talk about it so I would really like to ask you the question and this is a big question is suicide selfish so 
Thank you so much yeah. for giving me this opportunity to talk about about this. Um, I think the reason I, I, not I think, I know the reason that I gravitated toward this question was because I, I would hear um, anytime a, a suicide was, was mentioned, um, it would almost off, it would almost always go along with somebody's um, judgment of it as, oh, that was just so selfish. How could right. that person always. do it? I yeah. hear it all the time. I mean, all the time. Right. Yeah. And, um, and after Robin Williams died, I, I was reading just lots of blogs and, and articles where people would pass that judgment. And, and I, and I just thought, wow, you know, the person's not here to defend himself or herself, um, the person who actually dies by suicide. They're not there anymore to say, actually, I wasn't being selfish. It, and I, I just, I personally thought, you know, I think there's a little more to this story. Right. I, I think it's not that I'm saying that it's not or it's never selfish. I just think that there's more to it. That there, it, it's much more complex than that. And so, and so what I what I've been doing is just reading all about what what goes on in in the mind of a suicidal person. And this is not to say that there's one mindset right. and that you know everybody lives it out exactly the same way. But you know, in general, um, when people are suicidal, they are extremely, extremely overcome with despair. And it is it is this this unspeakable pain. And it's the, the kind of emotional pain, uh, the, the, the founder of the field of suicidology, the study of suicide, uh, Edwin Schneidman, he, he described it as psych ache, psych coming from Greek, psyche, soul, soul ache. It's, it's this pain, this suffering, this despair that goes down to your very soul. And he, and he he just describes it as being as this this condition this this state um, where if you aren't feeling it you really don't understand. So those of us who aren't acutely suicidal, we're, those of us who aren't at that very extreme end of the suicidal spectrum, really don't grasp it. And and so this is one thing that I said at, at the Parker talk. Uh, there was this beautiful, heart-wrenching um, New York Times blog article written by uh, the, the parents of a, a military, a, a combat veteran who had taken his own life. And he stayed alive for many years, but he was just racked with this psychic, this, this pain. And when he finally did end his life, he wrote this long letter to his family and he said, I want you to know the reason I haven't, I didn't do it sooner was because of you, because I was thinking about you and I didn't want to hurt you. I didn't want to hurt you, but I can't go on with this anguish. I cannot live another day. I am so sorry, but I can't go on. And you know what? Taking my own life is a mercy killing. So just to absorb that for a moment, when somebody is at the point where they think there's no other way, there's, no, there's nothing left for them in this life, and to take their own lives is actually an act of, mer of mercy. That is just, that is extreme pain. And, and for me to just turn around and say, well, that's just so selfish for them to do that, I think that is 
completely shutting down the story. It is closing the conversation and and passing judgment and basically writing it off and saying, nope, that's it. It's, it's selfish and there's nothing more to it. And so what I've been wanting to do is say, well, what is this person's story? And it turns out that when people are suicidal, they do quite a a lot of considering of other people. They are thinking and thinking and thinking about the people around them and how it's going to affect them. Um, and in fact, um, this is based mainly on the research by Thomas Joyner out of Florida State University. Uh, there's, there's, there are very few suicides that are truly motivated by things like revenge or anger. Um, it's it's really it's just this despair and it's this this constricted mindset, this tunnel vision where people start to think that the only option, the only really viable option is well, it boils down first to two things: live or die. Well, I can't live. I can't keep on like this because it's it's so painful. I guess the only thing left is to die. So our job as as helpers, as loved ones, as people who have compassion, as people who are ready to listen, is to say, tell me what that feels like. And to help, I, I like to think of it as, as chipping holes in this, in this tunnel so that the, their perspectives are broadened and they realize that there really are some things to live for. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's never, I love that you pointed out, for someone who's never gone through this, they might not know what it looks like to feel like there's nothing left, there's no other option, that yeah. there, you, all you see is darkness. Right, right. And, um, and I don't think somebody who's gone, who hasn't gone through that, it's like if you haven't gone on a roller coaster before, you don't know what it feels right. like, you don't know how. And it's, it's, it's the same way with, with feeling suicidal and feeling depressed and lost, is that and people don't quite always understand the correct words to say or, yeah. or what it really means when they're saying that suicide selfish they may not realize that it means something horrible or that it shuts down the conversation and i think once again once we bring attention to this and we discuss this that's when people can say oh i didn't know that 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 meant it like that to people right. who are feeling this mm-hmm. way and um in a sense i think when we really open up that door we can open up the door to people who are feeling depressed and sad too because if we open up the conversation to people who are uh, in a good frame of mind and they're feeling okay and they want to help other people they just don't know how or the correct words to say I think when we open that door and and those people start reaching out to people who are feeling suicidal Mm -hmm. there's a connection there's a a bond there's someone to listen to there's someone to talk to and understand and I think when we open up that conversation that's when things start changing right oh my gosh so so much uh, Brene Brown's words come to mind. Um, uh, Brene Brown, the the researcher, um, an incredible uh, speaker. Uh, she does a lot of TED talks, and one of her TED talks, she talks about um, how she talks about empathy versus sympathy, and she says that rarely does a response make someone feel better. So, in other words, when somebody approaches us and says, you know, you know, my my dog just died, or I'm I I'm I think I'm I'm going through I think this is going to be a, a separation from my loved from my from my husband um, or whatever when they come to us with this this thing that's heartfelt and felt and pull, full of pain for them we don't need to come up with these like magical words of wisdom right. that are you know the perfect piece of advice actually they're not probably looking for advice we seldom are seeking advice when we 
share something difficult with someone else. What we want is connection. We want them to say, my goodness, you're really going through something. How can I be there for you? I am here for you. Tell me more. It's that kind of thing. We want, we want that connection. So, you know, how great that we don't, that we don't have to have these magic words when people yeah. come to us, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's, I think that takes a, a lot of, uh, relief off of people's shoulders who want to help because right. everyone wants to make a difference. Everyone wants to be able to help somebody who's feeling down to help someone and, and have them feel safe to tell them their issues and their problems. But people feel like they need this magical solution right. to your issues. Mm -hmm. And I think that's uh, also a problem in today's society is when, when someone comes to you with a problem, you say, well, here's how I would fix it. And here's how I would do it. Mm -hmm. That's not what we need. We don't need someone to fix our issues. We just need someone to listen and let us be there. And, you know, I always bring this up, but I feel like like it's something that really, really makes an impact. My, my friend, Dave Gamash, he, his daughter was going through a lot and, and she would come to him and just vent. And as a parent, he would just say, Oh, here's how I fixed it when I was your age. And, and she would shut down and she wouldn't Absolutely. come to him more. Mm -hmm. And he finally, someone brought up the, the solution to him to just listen and ask, what do you need? Right. And finally he said, Oh, well, I'm sorry. You're going through that. What can I do for you? And she was Beautiful. like, what? Yeah. What, what can I do for you? How can I help you through this experience in this time in your life? And she was like, oh, I don't know. Just be here. Just let me, you know, she was so taken back by it because in society, we're so quick to fix the issue and fix right. the problem. We don't necessarily need a solution right at that moment. We don't need a fix right at that moment. We just want to have someone to say, can I just get the stuff off yeah. my chest? Can I just open yeah. up? You know, take my hand and walk me through this. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling and I need I need a friend right now. And that's what we need more people to be yeah. at our side and just say, I'm here for you to help yeah. you, to be there for you and mm -hmm. to get you through this moment in your life. And I love that you talk about that and you bring that up because that's what we need to talk about in society today. See, that wasn't so bad of a question, was it? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't so scary of a question. I don't, I don't think it was at all. <laughs> See, and that's, that's, that's how we have to deal with our issues and problems head on is that there's a simple solution to things and that you know if you're going through difficult times in your life and you're feeling lost and hopeless I, you know I just always say give it a minute give it a, a second get through that next second that next minute that next hour whatever you have to do to get through that dark moment Absolutely. because I've been there myself I attempted suicide and I'm so glad that I failed because I, 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 well, I, life is great. Life is so great for me. And I'm so happy and uh, in a place where I see the light now. But at the time there was two options for me. Mm -hmm. There was death and there was life. Mm -hmm. And I am so happy that life was the path that I was able to go down, but I had debated death. I really did. And luckily I had the support and the love around me to be able to get through that time and get through that moment. And I think everyone, even though you feel hopeless and completely alone, there are people who want to be there for you and want to mm -hmm. talk to you. Reach out to adults, reach out to students, reach out to teachers, reach out to coworkers, whatever place you're in, reach out. And if they, if you don't get the response you want, there's someone else who wants to be there for you and listen to you and just keep searching and looking because your life is so meaningful and purposeful, whether you know it or not, you have a, a mission and a purpose on this. And maybe it's to share your story and your voice. I, I really think that that's the case. Yeah. So we do have to take a break, but when we return, we're going to talk a little bit more about what Ryan is doing and how she's able to help other people, uh, even aside from suicide, all the things she's doing as well. So stay tuned. We will be right back with Ryan Hall. But I still 
Hi, I'm Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. And I'm Jimmy Graham, Director of Active Shooter Response Training Center. Between 2000 and 2013, an average of 11.4 active shooter incidents occurred annually. And according to the FBI, active shooter incidents are on the rise, and the majority of them occur in the workplace. Tell us a little bit about your background, Jimmy. I spent a little over 15 years in the U.S. Navy SEAL teams as an operating instructor, and then I also uh, worked for the federal government, training protective officers and deploying overseas. And now what are you doing to help educate and prepare others? At ASRTC, we're training individuals in the workplace to protect themselves and those in their care. I love your motto. Would you mind sharing with my listeners what it is? Not at all. We have a motto of faith, not fear, and perception, not paranoia. To learn more, contact us at asrtrainingcenter.com. Hi, I'm Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. I'm Alex Sheen, founder of Because They Said I Would. Alex, why are promises so important to humanity? You know, a lot of people don't think about broken promises as a humanitarian issue, but it really is one. Think about the people who you might know who say things like, I'll quit smoking, I'll lose weight, I'm going to volunteer more, but then nothing. You know, nothing about this downward slide about our culture and keeping promises, nothing about that is going to change unless there's something to change it. And that is what we are. Because I said I would, is a social movement and nonprofit organization dedicated to the betterment of humanity through promises made and kept. We cannot make the world better if we can't keep our promises to make it better. I encourage people to check out because I said I would.com or facebook.com slash because I said I would to learn more about our nonprofit and humanitarian effort. Hi, this is Cassandra Perkins from Behind the Mask. And this is Mark Merrow with Champion of Choices. Major depression affects more than 120 million people around the world. Suicide is now the second leading cause of death with students ages 10 through 24. Like my good friend Mark says, happiness is the key to success, and we all have that choice to make in life. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, so reach out to those around you and be the voice. We become who we surround ourselves with. Your friends, they're like elevators. They're either going to take you up or they're going to take you down. Find out more information at thinkpause, that's P-O-Z dot org, thinkpause dot org. Welcome back. I'm here with Ryan Hall, who is a licensed professional counselor and a Ph.D. candidate in religious and psychological studies. And she is doing so many incredible things. We've been talking to her about everything. (laughs) (laughs) And we've been talking to her about uh, drugs, alcohol. We talked about suicide and suicide is something that's very close to my heart and very um, something I've gone through myself and and something where I've had a, a lot of people around me. I've lost four friends through to suicide, which is just heartbreaking for it myself. Is. But to see it in just everywhere in today's world where, sadly, it's an option for people today, that it's an option to kill themselves. And that just, it hurts me so bad. And I think when we start talking about it and we bring it to attention, like we've said, that's when that's when people start to have a voice and feel like they can talk and feel like they have a place to go in and be understood because today I just don't think a lot of people understand what that's like so even if it's just us sitting here today I hope that we can educate somebody or even somebody who's listening who may be feeling depressed and Mm -hmm. wants to get through this time so you're doing everything you're really helping all aspects of the the spectrum really but really I want to ask you the question if somebody's listening right now and they're going through something in their life depression sadness alcohol drug addiction illness whatever it is that they're going through in their life what would you say to them to keep their hopes high that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that you will reach it yeah 
gosh, there are several different different things I would say. Um, one of the things I would say is um, congratulations on waking up this morning. Yeah. Um, you you you've done it. You, you've 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 made it. Uh, you've woken up again, and and something got you out of bed. Um, if you if you're out of bed, <laughs> maybe you're still in bed, but you know you are still awake. I mean, you still you are alive. Yeah. Bottom line, you are alive. You are living right now. So, why why is that? Why do you think you are still here? Um, could it be a, a greater cosmic reason? Uh, could it be that that you have a, a a cat that loves you and needs you? Um, could it be that that you're waiting for the snow to fall so that you can you know go go skiing? I mean, wh- what is it? There's there's something or at least one thing that that is contributing to you being alive right now. And you haven't actually killed yourself, so there's that too, you know? There's something that is, that is, has kept you alive this long. Um, another thing I would say is that we're not always going to be 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. We're not always going to be at the extreme end of suffering. Even when we're at the height of, even when we're going through a, a a, a very strong depressive episode. It's not a 10 out of 10 on the depression scale for the entire time. Um, in that sense, I think of it a lot like um, craving a, a cigarette or craving alcohol when you're, when you're trying to abstain. A craving is going to pass. It might last just three or four minutes, but it will pass. It'll be strong and it'll be hard for those few minutes, but it will pass. So even the acute stages the i don't want to say stage the acute experiences of um depression anxiety fear whatever the 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 emotion it will start to subside and so hold on hold on tight you will get through it and right now you might not think of anything but how much it's awful and it stinks and it hurts but hold on Mm -hmm. you'll get there uh, one thing that the the writer Jennifer Michael Hecht, who wrote the book Stay, uh, one 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 thing that she recommends is when you're when you're not at the height of your depression, when you're feeling a little better, write a little note to yourself and say, Ryan, I'm feeling I'm feeling okay right now. It's not always this bad, you know. Right now, you actually have a smile on your face, and and so the time, the bad times will pass. In other words, just writing a little note mm-hmm. from from your happier self to yourself, who's going to go through that that who might not, but may go through that really awful, anguishing time, and you can remind yourself that you're not always in the the deepest abyss. Sometimes you're higher up in the abyss, and sometimes you're not even in the abyss. You're, you know, like uh, you're hanging out on 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 solid ground. Right, right. And I think that it's important to bring that to people's attention that we're going to hit bumps in the road, and some are going to be longer than others, yeah. and you know, some are going to be mountains. Yeah. But you will get over those, right. and there is that light. Yeah. And I, I think that sharing our own experiences and saying. That no matter what it is that you're going through in your life, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whether it's losing a loved one, whether it's losing a job, whatever the case is that you're going through, this period in your life isn't going to be forever. Right. Mm-hmm. So why do you feel that people should hold on? I mean, what? why do you feel that they should hold on and keep going? 
I think because of exactly that that phenomenon where when we are in our really deep places, we can't see past it and we think there is no future. So we have no idea what's going to happen. But but I think a lot of, I think most of the time when we when we want to die, when we think about death, when we think about suicide, um, we don't really want to like die, die. We don't right. want to we, we just want to get rid of the pain. Done. Yeah. We don't want to be done forever and ever. We just want escape from that pain. We want relief. Exactly. We want to be rid of the pain. And and so it, it's like what we really want is to just wake up, you know, in in three weeks, in six months, in just at, at some time in the future, we want to wake up with that pain gone. And 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 just yeah we want we want it to be over with and so so i i i try to help people i try to help people understand the shape and size of this of these feelings of despair and really kind of understand what that pain revolves around where is that pain coming from and how can we fix that i love that and and i think once we find that little light that's the reason you should hold on whatever it is for whether it's for your cat whether it's for your dog whatever the case is exactly and Uh I think the the little accomplishments mean so much too Mm -hmm. means so much to just set a goal to wake up and brush your teeth right and that's your goal for the day and that's what you accomplished no matter what the situation is you're going through and Mm -hmm. I think that you should really hold on to that Ryan thank you so much for being on the show today we're already out of time I can't even believe it nope I can't would you mind throwing out your email one more time so people can get a hold of you not at all Uh, so my email address is ryan hall r-y-a-n-h-a-l-l at centura c-e-n-t-u-r-a dot org o-r-g Awesome, Ryan. Thank you so much. And I just really quickly want to throw out the suicide hotline number for anybody right now who's struggling, who needs this right now. Please go uh, and call them and and talk to somebody. Have your voice. Put it out there. You can call 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. Please talk to somebody and have a voice and hold on. Please just keep holding on. And thank you for listening to today's show. And thank you, Ryan, once again for being here today. I appreciate thank you so much. Thank you so, so much, Cassie. Thank you, Jorge, as always, for running my show so amazing. And I want to give a lovely thank you to my family, my aunts here as well, for being here. Guys, remember, love God, love people, and impact the world for Christ. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Behind the Mask with Cassandra Perkins. To reach Cassandra or to learn more about her ministry and work, visit CassandraPerkinsRadio.com or look her up on Facebook. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.